The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Good evening and welcome to The Law Report. My name is Michael Matwening Bell. It's good to be with you this Wednesday evening where yet again we talk about law and what are we talking about tonight? You would know that there's a lot of buzz going around. It's not a good buzz. It's about retrenchments. Everybody's talking about this one is getting retrenchment and that one is getting a retrenchment package here and there. And I think that that's sort of, you know, in the news headlines, it sounds like a normal thing. But for you and me, it's your reality. It's something that you got to deal with and go and explain to your family. And tonight, we want to talk about the law around that. So joining me on the law report is Osborne Mulatudi, Shante Mutin, as well as uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Carvelis, as well as uh, Caroline uh, Brietz. And uh, they'll be helping me understand some of these laws around retrenchment law. But of course, you can't talk about retrenchment law in the current South African context without talking about business rescue and insolvency. So that's the law report tonight. You can give us a call 86 Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuining Bill. Are you going through a retrenchment? Uh, do you have any questions for my guests? Do you understand what retrenchment is? Do you understand what your rights are? If you, if your employer comes back, I got a call just this week and somebody says to me that on the morning they're told that they're going to be retrenched and they're given three months and on, on that evening that to pack their bags and go and that was it. That was retrenchment. Do you understand what your rights are? Are you running a business and are finding it difficult to cope in these trying economic times and are wondering what are the options available to you and whether you can retrench people and how much it's going to cost you? How does that work? This is a show to be listening to for sure. And I do look forward to engaging with you. As always, this is a show for you. So you make the show by giving us your questions. And to do so, you can uh, dial the number 086-00-00959. You can also send me a tweet. I'm at Matoning Bill. That's my Twitter handle. Let me welcome my guest all joining me on the line and Tate Mulatudi good evening and thank you so much for joining us good evening, Osborne Mulatudi is a, thank you so much Osborne Mulatudi is an attorney specializing in labor law let me also welcome Dr. Llewellyn uh, uh, uh thank you so much uh, doc, Dr. Llewellyn thank you so much for joining us on the law report are you well thank you good evening and uh, you are a senior lecturer at the University of Pretoria. I look forward to engaging yeah, further great. with you. As well as um, Shante Muntan, a uh, labor attorney as well. Shante, good evening and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Is, is, am I saying that right? Is it Muton, eh? not Muntan. Yes. No, no, yes. M. Shante oh. Muton. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you know, you. I, think, I think, you know, the budget speech is in, in many ways um, good. Um, and I guess good in the context of as good as as it can get, right? Because we know the the economic times in which we are currently in. Um, but it's not good in our, in, our, in another respect because there's going to be sort of um, a cut in so in, in public spend, and we know how the ripple effect that's going to be. I mean, it, it, every South African would have seen how big companies, companies that have been central to the economy of this country. Uh, companies like MassMart are retrenching. Believe it or not, um, uh, I read also, you know, multi-choice, and I'm not even going to go and deal with the mines. So there's retrenchments happening at, at a pretty large scale, and therefore this thing of retrenchment is going to be a reality for a lot of South Africans. Osman, if I can start with you and maybe just talk about, you know, um, retrenchment as a concept and and when when it kicks in and what it means. Well, retrenchment basically is when an employer says, I'm struggling, I'm bleeding, or I'm reorganizing the way I'm doing business. Mm. 
And once the employer has formed that view, that employer is then obliged to engage employees who are likely uh, to be affected by that view. And I'm deliberately saying view because at that point, um, the employer is not expected to have made a foregone conclusion or taken a foregone decision that it is going to uh, embark um, on a process that will result in the retrenchment uh, of employees. So, uh, so basically, and as it's defined in the law, which is the famous LFA, retrenchment, which is uh, basically dismissal for operation, uh, operational requirements, is when an employer uh, wishes to restructure its business due to operational requirements, as, uh, due to technological changes or similar needs of that employer. And the most common one is financial reasons, when the employer is not making the ends meet. Mm. I mean, interestingly, earlier today, I had a, a lunch meeting with a CEO of a state-owned mining company. And uh, he was basically saying, five years uh, ago, we were making the same profit with the same headcount nothing has changed. Fast forward five years later, we're still making the same profit, but uh, the headcount has increased. Mm. And he's saying his hands are tied. What does he do? Because it means the business is not growing, but you're having the same headcount. So in a nutshell, retrenchment has to be for bona fide operational requirements uh, in terms of what the employer seeks to achieve to increase profitability in its workplace. There is no employer who wants to do business uh, by making losses. The moment that employer starts making losses, that employer uh, will, will, will be forced to really look at its uh, 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 business model and do something about it. And the same applies to the state. If the state is alleged to have a bloated salary ball, but yet the output and the, uh, uh, and the uh, um, and the quality of work that is produced is far less than that salary bill, including the possibility of ghost workers. Surely the state, uh, and more so because it's uh, taxpayers' money, it is obliged to relook at that. And of course, that will not make uh, affected employees through their trade unions happy. Mm-hmm. So, 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 I mean, there's, there's obviously. Um, um, you know, a process then that would have to be followed before, you know, I can't just wake up and say, well, today uh, my business is struggling. Um, I'm now going to retrench. If I can just maybe turn to you, Shanta Mouton, and and get an understanding of what process. In other words, where does this thing start? I'm sitting and I'm an employee and I and I kiss my family by and, and I pack my lunch and off I go to work. And I don't know what the employer is planning and has in store for me. As somebody who has been retrenched, what should I legitimately expect of my employer? All right. So basically, the Act defines it really nicely. Mm. And it sets out that an employer should actually notify the employee in writing of the intention that they want to maybe restructure. So what that basically entails is the employee will be called in and by the HR most probably, and they will be provided with a letter. In this letter, it will actually state to the employee, look, we are wanting to retrench people. So 
so you might be one of the affected employees. Mm. So then they'll actually give you an opportunity. They'll say in that notice that we want to have a consultation with you when we can discuss this. So it's basically going to be a back and forth. Okay, so we need to retrench someone. So you might be affected. So what we'll do then is we'll actually sit and try and see whether we can make a position available for the employee. So let's say the employee says, you know what, I'm actually willing to work maybe at a lesser salary or instead of coming in five times a week, I come in four times a week. And the parties try and see whether they can come to an agreement. Mm. Now, the law is clear on this. Procedure needs to be followed. So the procedure would basically then entail the employee taking that notice saying, look, we have the intention to retrench. Once they've received that uh, retrenchment notice, there should be at least two consultations with the employee where both the employer and employer sit and they try to figure out whether there is another possibility instead of having to retrench this employee. Mm, If the mm. parties can be maybe put him in another position, he won't lose his job at least. Mm. However, if the parties cannot agree, then the proper retrenchment will actually take place. And this is when the employer will start talking to you saying, okay, we need to look at a severance package. Are you willing to take a voluntary severance package? That would usually be then in the normal form of one week for every year worked. So you'll get one week salary for every year worked together with one month notice pay and then any leave or statutory payments that are due to you. So this is basically what they would look at. The big thing is if the employer does not follow the procedure, they can pick up very big problems, especially if the employee then refers to them, the matter to the CCMA. One of the things, um, you know, so... so so one of the things that are happening, especially with the case of SAA, is that the unions are saying, hang on, before you decided to take some decisions, you needed to involve me. So, so I mean, retrenchment is probably one part where you need to involve employees. But in this case, there's a, there's a broader complaint. And I just want to allow uh, Dr. Llewellyn uh, Kerr-Lewis to maybe just explain to us how business rescue works just as a principle before kind of dealing with the intricacies of how an employee must be engaged and consulted and their rights insofar as that is concerned. Dr. K. Lewis? Let me try uh, Kathleen Briet, uh, attorney from Fromilian Attorneys. Kathleen, hello. Hello. Hi, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. You're my fourth guest. Uh, sorry, I, I, when I introduced my other guest, you weren't quite in the line, but welcome to the to the law report. If I could direct the question to you, um, yes. and so far as you know, so we're talking about so an employer deciding to retrench, um, um, and then they have to consult you. And I think um, Osborne as well as Shanta have explained that quite nicely for us. But what if there's another option other than retrenching and firing people? So an option like business rescue. Um, that that has to be explored. What are the employees' rights insofar as a business rescue process? And as you explain that, perhaps start us off by explaining what business rescue is in the first place. So business rescue is a process where we basically look at the the company. It's, it's in a matter of insolvency. It's, it's not making ends meet. So they think about how can we save the company? In the mm. long run, the company can actually still make it. They can. If there's some liquidity or there's there's some prospect of making it. 
does I don't necessarily want to liquidate the company. Sure. So they can put, they have the option of putting the company to business rescue, which means that the company's affairs are taken out of the hands of the directors and put into the hands of a business rescue practitioner. And then desperate measures are put into place to actually try and save the company. So these measures could be to actually look at restructuring the company as a whole or selling some properties, or it could even be looking at retrenchment. It could be anything where um, the business risk practitioner together with the directors, obviously. So, okay, this is a manner in which we can actually save the business. So um, when it comes to notice to the employees, yes, a notice will be given to the employees, but there's no real uh, negotiating with the employees or the, that the employees actually have to consent to the business rescue. This is a process that happens um, to a very great extent without the employees' insights or or partaking. That's actually interesting. I mean, you, you know, so I'm thinking, um, uh, Mr. Mulatudi, I'm just thinking out loud here. So I'm an employee and you come to me and you say, hey, the business is not doing well. Can I initiate as an employee or as a group of employees, can I initiate business rescue? Can I can I take matters into my own hand and say, you know, I know why the business is not doing well is because you're driving, you're driving seven cars with, with, with an entourage and and maybe if you stop the luck, you know the 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 spending, maybe we can dedicate some of the company's money into actually running the business. So I think as an employee, the problem is the way you're running this business. Can they do something? Is it is it is it in my hands to do that as an employee? Um, if you are directing the question at me, yes. Uh, in uh, you know, it's often colloquially said that half a loaf is better than the not having the whole loaf. So on that basis, yes, the employees can take that initiative with the sole purpose of uh, uh, rescuing the the business. Mm. Otherwise, then they would be without jobs. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have half a loaf or would you rather not have the whole uh, loaf at all? Mm. So this is one of the considerations in a in, in a retrenchment consultation. Sure. Uh, you know, ways in which the retrenchment could be avoided or its impact could be minimized. Mm. There have been instances where, for instance, employees could offer to work less hours and cut, uh, take a salary cut, work few days, etc., etc. And it all depends on the nature of the consultation. What are the reasons that have been put forward mm, by mm. the employer during that process? And my colleague correctly uh, said so that uh, the employees will be given something writing, which is um, uh, well known as Section 189 letter. Mm-hmm. And it's incumbent upon the employees once they receive that notification to actually engage it and not to be emotional, ignore it, and and you know start accusing towards it. No, it's actually uh, calling upon them to to interrogate the information that is contained uh, in that letter and and to bring forward representations that could either persuade the employer to delay the 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 inevitable or to consider other ways in which retrenchment could be avoided or uh, as my colleague has correctly said some employees may say you know what we have uh, we have been long in this company we are happy to come forward and accept the voluntary severance package to make way for the younger generation etc mm. or bumping you name it there are all sorts of mechanisms that both the employer and the employees could actually explore before the ultimate decision 
and uh, the implementation of the retrenchment is affected. So business re- rescue, I'm not an expect in that area. No, for sure, for sure. I, I'll, I'll come back to you because I think there's a lot more to be said about about um, about about you know the retrenchment aspect of it. But but I see how these marry. We, I think we might have Dr. Kalewis be, uh, uh, back on the line. Uh, Dr. Kalewis? Hello? Hello? Yes, is the line better? Yes, thank you. It's lovely. I oh, great. So, so I, I, I wanted to just ask the question, and I think that a lot of times employees often feel like they are powerless. So an employee comes, an employer comes to you and says, hang on, you know, we think the business is not doing well um, and we want to retrench. Is, is, can business rescue proceedings be at the instance of employees? Yes, at the end of the day, obviously, um, there will always be the interaction between employees and the employer. Yeah. Uh, but one must be careful to, 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 to say that, listen, at the end of the day, the employee will, will basically run the show and determine uh, the next step and the outcome or the financial outcome and viability of, of, of a company, for example. Yes. Ultimately, it's, it's obviously the prerogative of the directors uh, basically to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but but but, but I'm just asking this, um, yeah. Dr. Kalewis, because we know that creditors, for example. So if you if 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 a cred- as a creditor, I can bring business rescue proceedings against you to say you owe me, and yeah. um, I want to save whatever I can get uh, from your business. So I'm and, and and I'm asking this at the back of even the complaint by by Numsa in the SAA case. Yeah. You'll yeah. you'll you'll know that Numsa is actually uh, complaining. That they decisions, you know, decisions have been taken without the, the, the union. So I just want to sort of, from that point of view, um, uh, because employees like a creditor or even the director, because I think once a company is struggling and can't, can't meet its debts, the shareholders and the creditors and employees are pretty much in the same boat because they stand to not pay what they are owed. And, and, and that is exactly how these things usually plays out. Mm. Uh, you will have your your, your uh, unions that is uh, uncomfortable with the situation. Mm-hmm. They will obviously, one way or another, probably approach the shareholders uh, uh, and the creditors one way or another. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, there's usually this kind of a joint uh, uh, proceeding that is initiated to either get rid of the directors or to basically then either decide on business rescue or ultimately liquidation of a company. Um, now, for all fairness sake, we've talked about a lot of things here, and I totally 100% agree with all my colleagues that have that have raised the, the various points that is correct in law. Mm. Uh, but must, one must uh, always be very clear of it. The, the, the final straw, and let's call it then the financial uh, death sentence, literally for a company, mm. is liquidation. Yes. Because after liquidation, there is a deregistration of the company, and there is no, no employer that is in existence anymore. Indeed. Pay out um, uh, the salaries of the employees. So one will want to, at all costs, avoid that ultimate, let's call it then final declaration of bankruptcy that is usually the end result um, of financial dire straits. Um, but yes, there is a lot of power vested in unions, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of say, but usually what they do is they basically uh, get the assistance of either the shareholders and more often, more than often, obviously, the creditors to assist them in this, let's call it in the struggle to keep the boat afloat. 
All right, I want to take a break, and when I come back, I continue my discussion. I'm having a, dis- a conversation talking about retrenchment broadly, but, you know, retrenchment in the context of a company, and a company is is facing retrenchments quite often, like SAA. They have to also contend with issues like business rescue, and hopefully, um, um, in, in SAA's case, hopefully they don't get to that point where they're worrying about insolvency. And I'm talking to Dr. Llewellyn uh, Kerr-Lewis, as well as uh, Kathleen Briet. Uh, Shante Mouton as well as Osborne Mulatudi. I'm going to take a break and when we come back we continue our discussions and at that point I, I'll be taking your calls and you can give us a call 86 Call us now 86 Welcome back. I'm taking your calls 86 If you're going through a retrenchment or you're running a company and you're considering your options what would you do? I mean we are undoubtedly in tough economic times and and that is apparent not, um, you know, um, in, in no small way because companies that are huge, you know, big mining companies, big retail companies, um, big telecommunications companies through uh, like likes of multi-choice are considering these options like even Telcom. Telcom, you know, which, which is sort of one of the biggest companies in this country. Those are the options that they're considering and one can only but imagine what small businesses are going through because there is, after all, they cycle. If if the you know the retail industry is retrenching, it means that they're having less spend on their products and that has a ripple effect because it then tells a story about SMMEs. It also tells a story about individual households. So if if you have any questions for any of my guests, um, and you want to ask a question around your retrenchment, you want to ask about how you can give effect to retrenchment, do give us a call. The number to dial 86 Let me Let me just maybe just, just turn to this. I mean, what when, when we're talking retrenchment, and I just want to come back to you, Shanta Mutan, a little bit here. Um, when we talk about retrenchment, it seems like, you know, um, a very difficult thing to do for employers. And, um, uh, and, and you know, employers often complain even in the South African context that, you know, labor laws in this country are very difficult. It's very difficult to make a move one way. If you want to do this, you get op- opposed. Um, is, is retrenchment sort of as difficult as it's made out to be? Or, or do you find that generally um, um, one gets to give effect to it rather easily? Yes, you know what? It, it's actually a 50-50 at this stage. Some employers and employees, especially if it's a small company, mm. so the employees and employees see each other as family, then it can be quite difficult to retrench someone because you built that close relationship with them. Yes. And a lot of the times I see in bigger companies, however, this is not necessarily the case. They go through the motions, they go through the procedures, they see who they need to retrench and they take it from there. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing that we need to remember is a retrenchment is actually a, a no-fault dismissal on the part of the employee. So mm-hmm. they did nothing wrong. However, the company now needs to look to retrench. So a lot of the time, if an employee is retrenched and they get their severance package, sometimes on the form it will actually say that it's in full and final settlement of, of everything between the employer and the employee. So they take the severance package, we pay you this X amount, we maybe give you a bit more extra money and we call it with quits and we go on. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the times the employee will think, you know what, but actually the procedure, I don't necessarily agree with it. 
and then they want to go to the CTMA. And then it can happen when you go to the CTMA, the commissioner will actually tell you, but you know what? You find this form in full and final settlement of, of this retrenchment dispute that you might have had. So now we're sitting with a bit of a problem. Mm. Or sometimes it might even happen that you go to the CTMA and the employer knows they followed the proceeds to the T. They did everything, you know, they, they followed the procedure completely. And then it still might happen that the commissioner might rule against them and say, you know what, according to me, you didn't follow the procedure that you were supposed to do. So I'm awarding compensation to the employer in X amount. Now that does happen a lot. And I do actually see it quite often where I might have a client. It seems they followed the full process and then you get to the CTMA and that's not the case. So for me personally, yes, I do feel that, especially our labor law, it's However, last year an amendment came in and we are actually getting to the point where we need to go. We're heading in the right direction. And, 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 and I think you, you raise a very important thing um, about sort of the, 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 the difference in, in the disputes, you know, the different layers of the dispute with the procedural as well as the substantive. And I just want to turn to the substantive, Osborne, if I can invite you back in and just talk about the, the substantive bits. I mean, it's I, I'm trying to, you know, paint a picture for, for the listener to say often if a company's not doing well, I'm an employee. I don't know if a company's doing well or not. And I don't know if, you know, there's a good case for retrenchment. I don't know, um, you know, um, I don't know whether the options are viable because I was just, you know, driving the truck and nobody, you know, I'm not close to the financials. Is there a a mechanism within the law that allows me to have insights? Because, I mean, it's one thing for somebody to come and say, consult Michael, the driver. But if Michael, the driver, doesn't have mechanisms that help him to make that consultation meaningful, it's kind of pointless. So I'm just thinking, is there a mechanism? Am I entitled to, to, to documents? If you're saying the company's struggling, what must I be given for us to actually agree that indeed the company is struggling? What are, what are the mechanisms in place legally? Yeah, one of the things that an employer is obliged to disclose is actually the, the operational reasons of its intention to retrench employees mm. in the event that the retrenchments are unavoidable. And the usual information that you said, that objective is financial information to the extent that the employer during consultations will be obliged to not only disclose that information, but to also do presentations. And some employers will even do a three-year comparison to say three years ago, this is where we are, the following year, etc. Um, to the extent that it will assist the employee to assess whether or not the operational requirements or the reason that the employer is, for, uh, is putting forward are actually valid. Yes, so, okay. so that would mean, so that they'd come with sort of do like a financial presentation and say, you know, because it's one thing to say the company's not doing well. But I mean, well is also relative. I mean, the fact that you haven't grown 17% year on year um, <laughs> could be I'm not doing well. Um, so, so, uh, but, but that doesn't mean that I must get retrained. So there's a, there's a bit of a serious analysis that one would have to undertake to be able to understand in non-relative terms, but in factual and objective terms, what not doing well means. And that analysis would invariably require some skills. So, no, so on the first part, a full disclosure of the information, but, but then the ability to analyze that information. 
Of course. I mean, mm. trade unions, as we now know, um, some of them have actually gone to an extent of uh, hiring, um, you know, experts, mm. economic experts, financial analysts, etc. So, yes, if the inquiry would require that opportunity um, to to be given an expert or an opportunity to go and assess the information through the experts, they are welcome to do so. The other point that I wanted to bring uh, to the fore of your listeners is the fact that um, nothing uh, prevents the employee uh, to lodge a dispute if they feel that the employer has not disclosed all the relevant information. So even before the retrenchment is done? During consultation, the employee might say, but we haven't disclosed all the information. We don't see uh, bonuses to executives. We don't see uh, A, B, C, and D incentives of mm. senior management. Maybe they are the reasons why their company is not doing well, etc. Yes. Um, so they, they can uh, demand that uh, there has to be a full uh, complete information. However, the employer will still have uh, a defense to say the information that is not disclosed is confidential and there is a separate procedure uh, uh, regarding disputes around disclosure of information and uh, and i think it dealt with in section uh, 16 um where the normal process will follow some unions they use that because then it, it helps them to delay the process so yes we don't believe you have given us all the information therefore we're going to declare dispute on disclosure of information and until such time that you have this uh, aspect has been dealt with. You cannot go ahead and implement the retrenchment. But uh, going back to your question, yes, um, an employer is obliged to disclose all the information that enables the other consulting party um, uh, to really engage uh, the reasons put forward by that employer um, about its intention to retrench employees. It's more of an open mind. Mm. Uh, you know, our courts have emphasized that when you go into these consensus seeking processes, employers and trade unions and, and affected employees who are non unionized, they need to keep an open mind about ways in which the retrenchment may be avoided or the impact may be minimized, the alternatives to avoid all that kind of information set out in section one eight nine of the LRA. I thank you. So, so I mean, interesting what, what, what you're saying. In fact, you know, Shante, as, as Osborne was speaking, um, I, I was actually just thinking how his examples, and quite correctly so, and, and Osborne, you can, you can jump in, I have you both, um, quite correctly so, that the unions can do this and unions can do that. And, and Osborne, you're right, but as you were speaking, I was thinking, hang on, but this wouldn't apply to ununionized employees because they wouldn't have that kind of firstly the 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 resources and secondly the experience um to to be able to engage at this level and and do you find that ununionized employees typically in small environment don't enjoy the benefits of of the suggestions that Osborne has put forward um like to insist on the full disclosure of information you know because my sense from practice would be you know we know that lawyers are not in, are not allowed to come, so you can't come in with a lawyer during a retrenchment process, um, and 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 that 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 means, and and I'm not sure if you can bring your accountants and 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 whoever, and I'm not sure if it's even cost effective, but but it certainly looks like um, the the unions and in, insofar as retrenchment probably play a major role and and significant role um, relative to ununionized employees. 
Yes, most Mm. definitely. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, having or belonging to a union is actually a lot better, specifically for circumstances like this. Because the union uh, or the members for that example, they actually deal specifically with it. So it's something they know, it's something they deal with every day. However, if you're purely just an employee and now you get this retrenchment letter, let's be honest, 99% of people don't know what they're going to need to do and, and what they need to prepare for whatsoever. So a lot of the times it does happen that an employee will actually maybe get a little bit of a lesser benefit that someone, for example, that had a union representative help them that that person would have gotten. What I see a lot is, and it's actually happening, you won't believe it, since January this year, I've actually seen a lot of clients that are in this exact same boat. Mm. They come to me and they say, listen, I've got this retrenchment letter now and I'm not quite sure what I need to do. Do I need to prepare anything? What do I need to do? And you know, then I actually take them through the whole process and say, A, B, C, and B, this is what you need to do. So yes, I definitely agree with my colleague. You know, you can ask for this information. However, specifically, if you're not a member of a union, then you might not know this and you might not actually think to go and go look for the answer somewhere because let's be honest, the act is not the easiest thing to read in any of these, mm. you know. Mm. So they come to me and I kind of try and assist them in that regard to what they need to ask for, what they need to prepare and I kind of stay in contact with them throughout the whole process. However, a lot of the time, the employees don't necessarily have the money to approach an attorney and to assist them and they might just get you know, not the greatest deal out of it because they don't know, they're not educated to that extent to kind of understand everything that is happening. I'm taking your calls, the number to dial 86 Um Let me just talk, and, 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 I, and I look at these things, Dr. Curlewis, uh, as almost one and the same thing, you know. So when you're talking about retrenchment, they, they are very closely, and I think that... Business rescue as a concept is is a fairly recent development to our law. It's not something that we've ha- we've had for a very long time, and to a large yeah. extent, it's been tried out. It's been um, it's 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 at an experimental stage. I don't know of a lot of companies that have gone into it and emerged out of it successfully. I'm not sure if you can share some experiences of how yeah. business rescue has kind of worked in the past and how it's kind of helped. You know, sort of yeah. done what it. It was its object. What its objectives were in the first place. Uh, I, I totally get the gist of your of your question, and I wholeheartedly agree with your sentiments. Mm. Uh, in my experience, that is exactly in, in at least I would say ninety and even more percent of the of the matters that I've been involved with. The ultimate uh, outcome is in any event uh, a liquidation uh, of some sort. Mm. Uh, so, so usually the one is only uh, the. the, the the, the preliminary steps to the ultimate, let's call it in, uh, insolvency that will follow. Um, and obviously, the, 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 the main purpose of business rescue is to avoid that ultimate, uh, uh, let's call it a death sentence of, of, of the company. Yeah. Um, at, at, at all, uh, in, in all material aspects. Mm. And obviously, also, closely interrelated to that is this whole ordeal with retrenchments. Um, the, the, the effect that it would have on the employees of the company and correctly pointed out at all relevant stages that that is, should be avoided at all costs mm. to encourage people or to, to close down shop totally. Um, it's basically a situation of let's try to protect at least a number of employees uh, by ultimately, and it's sorry to say, but to get, by getting rid of 
maybe some of the others. Mm. And usually it's the nucleus that um, last in first out kind of situation that you will see typically uh, when you deal with the Labour Relations Act. Mm. Um, but yeah, my, my personal experience is also, I cannot safely say to your listeners that, uh, that ultimately I've seen a lot of success uh, in the business rescue uh, arena. Um, personally, uh, I think it's only the stepping stones to the ultimate uh, that will follow in due course. And usually by the time business rescue is invoked, by that time there's already so much of financial difficulty that um, that is then uh, placed in the hands of the business rescuer that it's only maybe a playing for time. Mm. Um, and, and, and maybe from a, a, a labor point of view, that is then the correct and opportune time for those employees to maybe seek immediately employment elsewhere whilst there's still time and before the final, uh, uh, let's call it then, uh, hurdle is then uh, crossed over. Mm. So, yeah, it's, you know, I, I share your sentiments and I totally agree with your, your observations in this regard. Kathleen Brett, I want to ask you, but before that, I want to take a call, but I, I, I want to ask you, because when you read provisions dealing with business rescue, they they look so amazingly helpful, like, you know, being able to, um, suspend any contracts, um, meaning that, and also any payments. So there's there's some helpful things that should help rescue a business. If somebody came to me and in my business said, I don't have to pay my debtors, <laughs> I could use the suspension of, you know, I guess any business could use the suspension of, of contracts that are not so nice and deferring yeah. of payments that, that, are, that are due and payable. And I, and I just want to probe, um, you know, why it doesn't work. But before I do that, let me, let me not be selfish and go to the lines. And if you also want to give us a call, you can do so by giving, uh, by dialing 086-00-00-959. We do mail from the East Rand. Good evening and thank you so much for calling. Hi, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? Fine, thanks. Um, it's interesting that I'm hearing your conversation now because um, I'm currently going through the same thing. Mm. Um, I work for a, a very big company, and uh, last year they sold a part of the business. Mm. And what happened was only a certain part was sold. Only? Only, uh, like... Only a, a certain department was sold. All right, sort of, sort of an operating company. division was sold. Yes, yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. And the financial side of it was not sold. Mm. So once the acquisition was completed, um, the, 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 they then told us that they've sold the business. They have selected only a few people in the finance division to work for these people and these people could terminate any time their the, the service agreement and give us a three months and only those few people will will be retrenched which to me when i when i've been listening to you it doesn't sound like the the, the right process no 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 but i mean you, you th- right. there's there's quite a number of layers to your question yes um right. And I think the first layer, it, it, let, me, let me make sure I understand the first layer. So they are saying the new employer may, will, will, will then decide who they want to retrench and not retrench. No. Mm. So there's only one employer. Right. But I thought one is sold. I mean, there's yeah, a buyer. No, they, so. they sold a part of the business. Right. So if you, if you sell um, right. juices and... Okay, and so you, remained with, the, you remained with the old employer. Correct. Okay. 
and they said everything stays the same. Don't mm-hmm. worry. For now, these people will. Se- we only selling a part of the business. You stay as our employee. Mm-hmm. However, should these people terminate their services? So the which end- people now? The people that that bought the product. Oh, okay. so they still needed a service yes. from us. While I guess they understand the business. Right. I, I hope I'm making you, sense. You, you're making, I think, I think, I think Osborne understands you far better because he's even, <laughs> is, is it your voice I'm hearing there, Osborne? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I understand so you understand, you understand very well, but I just wanted to add a dimension because depending on the size of Buitumela's company, I know that um, some companies, so if, if, if it's of a certain size, a company you're speaking about and they want yes. it to sell, it also attracts not only labor law, but it also attracts competition laws. And Correct. and there would then be issues around, um, you know, the competition commission having an interest on how that merger um, is going to affect um, 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 uh, uh, employment or or, or, or labour. So so, Osborne, if I can invite you to just, I mean, very interesting question. Thank you for so much for that. There's but, so but much but to my, talk about. My, my my main concern is not that part. I, I'm, so I'm sure it's the, not. I'm, it was mine. Yes. I, Osborne got you, <laughs> but stay on the line if if Osborne hasn't dealt with it because I think. I think I think we understood your concern to be. Hang on, now after this, I could be retrenched at any time. Osborne. Oh yes, and maybe before I answer that, uh, to my colleague on business rescue, I often get faced with a question as to what is the purpose of a business rescue? Is it to save the business or to save people's jobs? <laughs> so I'll pass that question. And if my colleague can answer that, because I get this question more often and I keep saying to people, I'm not a, a business rescue practitioner. I'm an employment and labor law practitioner. But coming to uh, uh, the concern by uh, the caller, mm. uh, there appears to be um, a, a mix of section 197 versus 189. And 197 was put in place just to ensure uh, job security and protection of employees when there's a change or there's a sale of a business or part thereof as a going concern. The law has now settled. It doesn't matter whether it's a part or it's non-core or it's something else. The, the bottom line is it becomes a going concern and therefore employees' jobs are protected. And I'm talking about... So, so maybe unpack that because, I mean, you, you and I understand that readily. But let's, let's really so, unpack 197. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of 197, those employees who are going to the new employer are protected, at least for a period of 12 months. And thereafter, that new employer is, is entitled to restructure, to organize, etc., depending on the operational requirements that have been faced at that time. Mm-hmm. But your caller's concern is in respect of the old employer. She's remained at the old employer. And yes. the, the way I understand her is that those who remained at the old employer um, some part and parcel of providing a service to the new employer. Mm. And once again, uh, as long as the, uh, the old employer can demonstrate a valid operational requirement, why it needed to, it needs to, uh, to embark in, in a, uh, an exercise which may lead to a transplant of employees. It, it's entitled to do so. Mm. For instance, the new employer no longer needs, uh, most of the services that they render or it's no longer buying all of the product, etc. Mm. So there has to be a valid operational requirement. And what your caller must do is to engage the employer, the old employer, where she said to say, but didn't you anticipate this when you're selling that part of the business, the operating business? And Could that have been a way around 197? In other words... Uh, mm. 
Yes, yes. Mm. And the law and the law the law does not allow that where an employer puts in a mechanism that seeks to avoid the uh, the protection afforded by not only Section 189 but 107. And and I think my colleague can also uh, come in there. But uh, she has to confront the employer uh, with um, whatever she feels about uh, the old employer's intention to restructure. What are the reasons? Do you anticipate these reasons when you're selling the operating business or something? Okay. At the end of the day, yep. she cannot fold arms and sit back and say, no, I don't think I like what uh, they're doing. Um, and therefore, I'll take them to the system. She has to participate in the process. I thank you. 100%. And, and I think also, look at, look at also, in addition to that, look at, uh, if you say that your company is big, look at whether it was, it was um, notified to the Competition Commission because the no, Competition yeah, Commission would have had an interest. Yeah. I'm afraid i got to take a break, Bitumela. You can stay on the line and maybe we can entertain this a little bit longer. I want to take a break. And when I come back, I'm taking your calls. 86 Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. Welcome back. We continue our discussion. We're talking about retrenchment and how that's going to affect you in your business and in your life. And, uh, and um, you know, it's going to be a reality for, for a lot of us. But a lot of us are also in business and are thinking, hmm, how can I save my business? So you could be thinking about retrenchment. You could also be thinking about business rescue. Can you do it yourself? Can you initiate it? This is a show to listen into. And if you have any questions for my guest, 86 0959. Um, we do very quickly. Um, it, is there any, any residual issue um, uh, arising from uh, Mr. Malatudi's answer? Uh, meaning what, sir? So, in other, so I'm sorry. Is, is there something that we left out? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And that's why I'm still holding on. Yep, yep. The only thing, maybe I should just ask a question. If you have a department, is, is the employer entitled? to only choose a specific number of people where a group is multi-skilled. So if everybody can do everybody's job, yes. can a company decide that only these five people are going without actually um, like choosing the last in, first out? Because oh, I that's see. what happens. So in other words, how does the employer decide who's to go? Uh, uh, Mutan, can I let you deal with that? So what is the criteria? I mean, we're all working here. We, we, we're all good. We're all skilled the same. And then, but they say Michael must go and not be too much. Yes. So obviously we know that usually they work with last in, first out. So if you were the last employee that started working there, it would be obvious that if retrenchment processes do start. But is that sort of, is that, is that sort of mandatory? In other words, can I, if, if, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think I would want to do that in all situations. There are instances where I would want to do last in, last out, but there are instances where I might not want to apply that system. So this last in, last uh, out principle, I know it's been mentioned quite a few times tonight. Is it, is it, does it follow that we're going to adopt that approach? No, not necessarily. Yeah. A company does not need to re- uh, um, adopt this approach at yes. all. Mm. So what they can also do is there's something that we call redundancy. So they mm. can look at all the positions that they are and decide, you know what, three posts will be made redundant, so these three employees will have to go. So sure. any selection criteria that the company wants to use, they need to just um, add, convey it through to the employee. So if they say, you know what, so you all have the same skills basically however we are going to look at making one of your posts redundant so then they will start looking and deciding okay 
this person has been in this position for this long, that one has been in position for that long, but this one might have a bit more skill. Sure. So maybe we should rather keep this employee. So it, it has to be based on some principle better. that is is fair. So I mean, if and, and I know yeah. other people say, well, guys, I want we want you to all reapply for your positions and we're going to choose from scratch almost. So there's quite a, a number of ways. Yes. So we do, and I hope that answers your questions. Palisa from Soweto, good evening. Hi, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? I'm alright. Um, I think this topic is really key because I'm going through the thing. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, apparently, not even apparently, um, my company only notified me on the 12th of Feb that uh, the store that I'm currently working at is going to be closed and the last day of date of trading will be on the 21st. So of, what of I would 21st like of what? Of March? Of, of February. So, sorry, so let me get this dates. I'm so sorry. You, you said they notified you when? On the 12th. Okay. That the whole store is closing. Yes. On the, they notified me on the 12th, and then they said on the the store is closing. So, what I want to know is the time frame between me and my employer. What is it that they're supposed to be telling me? What information are they supposed to be giving me? Mm-hmm. On top of that, um, on due to closing, um, we were rushed. We were, gi- we were given letters for retrenchment. Later on, we were rushed to. Later on, you were rushed, so your line got bad. Yeah, we were rushed, we were rushed by the HR to sign our retrenchment papers. Mm. When we told them that we need like to ask other people or people that know better about laws, and they told us that if we do not sign them, they're gonna cut our packages into half. Hmm. That's and then on top of that, they sent us an email telling us that they will compensate us two months and for the years that you've worked, it's going to be, let me say you've worked three years, they're going to give you a certain portion for the next coming three weeks after the two months that they have given you. Mm-hmm. So later on, again, they reconsider themselves and say, no, we're not going to be able to, to give you that. Uh, the law, even if you can go to the labor, they will tell you that um, uh, we're supposed to only give you a month. Sure. So basically, they're giving me a month um, retrenchment package and whatever amount that they were giving me. So later on, again, we get our pay slips. They've short paid us. And worst part, they don't even short pay you in any commission or any overtime. They short pay you in your actual basic salary. So okay, so, so let me let me take, I've got I've got five minutes remaining to the show. And, okay. and, and do you, you want to deal with that quickly? Perhaps give my business rescue uh, practitioner to answer that earlier question because I know people are going to, the moment this show ends, people are going to start phoning. Why was your question not answered? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that. And it will help. Yeah. Business rescue, is it there to save the business or? I, I got you. I got, I got your question. You, you must dial in and, and then we'll take your question like a guest. Right now, you're my guest and I need my question. Uh, I need. <laughs> <laughs> I need Palisa's uh, questions answered. No, okay. Um, I think my colleague and I, we, 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 we sort of outlined the process of a retrenchment process, what goes into that process, what are the issues that should be on the table. And as to the nitigities, I mean, it's incumbent upon the employees to really interrogate and confront that information. And if they are not happy with anything else, they can lodge a dispute. But something that stands but, out for me, uh, that that duty is, is, is if somebody says, "Well, if you don't accept my terms, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this. I'm, you know, I'm gonna pull this, this frill. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna give you the two months anymore." That doesn't sound. 
to be in the spirit of what 189 contemplates? Indeed, it's not uh, in the spirit of consensus seeking. It's more like you are threatening Asian kind of tactic, etc. Mm. So yeah, those are nitty gritties. But the process is keep an open mind, go into a consultation meeting, and uh, make your representations. And the employers are obliged to consider those representations and to give reasons why uh, it's rejecting or accepting any of those representations uh, uh, made by the employees. I must say, a decision. Uh, uh, sorry, an intention to retrench is not something that is taken lightly. When an employer reaches that stage, uh, uh, 80% of all the cases, and as my colleague has explained earlier, it's a no-fault dis- uh, dismissal. 80% uh, of those cases will be for genuine operational requirements. Um, the other ones could be that maybe the employer wants to close down, but at the same time wants to avoid paying severance packages, so it may go yeah. for liquidation, etc. Yeah. I, I think um, I think maybe maybe uh, Balisa, we have run out of time, and 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 you know, uh, I'm afraid you also phoned pretty much. Um, and in the last end, but it looks to me that there's a lot wrong. I mean, um, you don't even have to be a lawyer to know that if you want to close a store, you don't know today that your store needs to close. It would have been, you know, it would have been a long time coming. So I think, I think try to get um, help. It looks like you you have something of a of a of a case to fight. But if you don't have the right people in your team, you're probably not going to come right. Closing down a whole store. Is a, is a decision that is long time in the making and I think that they owed you a responsibility to alert you much earlier on and, and amongst other things that, you, that you've identified. Um, Kathleen Briet, I, I really wanted to get uh, an answer to that question but I'm afraid I have run out of time um, but it looks like you know we've sort of given too much time to, to retrenchment and maybe, maybe let's do some other time where we really give good attention to this concept of business rescue and, and liquidations. Um, so, so maybe, maybe in future we'll, we'll get, I'll get to ask that question and, and Mulat Dudi can phone and, and ask his question. No problem. Thanks so much. Do- Dr. Kerr Lewis, thank you so much to you too, um, thank for you your time. Much. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. And, uh, and to you as well, uh, Shante Mouton, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Have a lovely night. Indeed. Let's do this again soon, guys. I really appreciate it. Dr. Mulat Dudi, thank you so much. Bye. Let's do this again. And uh, yeah, and to you, the Afropolitan, let's do this again next Wednesday. I'm back again then, and I look forward to engaging with you. And perhaps, um, you know, perhaps we'll give proper attention in the coming weeks to this concept of business rescue. It's really a lovely thing. It's a really good introduction to our case law, and I think that we need to use it more and more, and we need to make it a success. For me, Michael Mutaning Bill, it's been very good. I'll be back again next week. Good night. That was the Law Report with Michael Mitzwining Bill, Kaya FM 95.9.